At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Hey, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Lombardi Line. We're presented by BetMGM, and we're, we're separated here by a few thousand miles, but it's okay. Michael Lombardi on the East Coast in AC. I'm Ben Wilson from Las Vegas uh, here at our Circus Sportsbook Studios downtown. In for Patrick Maher, Patrick back on the show tomorrow. Uh, some sad news to start the show with today, Michael, with Franco Harris's uh, passing overnight, 72 years old. Uh, the legendary former Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, I know somebody who me- meant so much to uh, to everybody in Pittsburgh, to the NFL, as it took shape in the early 70s, and that was certainly right around uh, the time you were entering the league there. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's tragic. At 72, Al Davis used to say this all the time when someone kind of from his generation passed away. He said, I have no more tears to, to, to give away, to cry. I mean, it's sad. 72 at today's world is way too young you know the insurance companies that was a number that they used for insurance policies but because of our health care and because of our our medicine and where we've gone as a country i mean we've extended life and to see him pass away on the week of the immaculate reception's 50th anniversary is wow it's kind of takes you back a little bit and you know he's such a great player and such great teams you know they had such great teams there and he was such a legend where i live here in new jersey because mm-hmm. this is penn state community and he was penn state he was part of that penn state group and you know it's tragic it really is and you know just the play that he makes when you go back and look at the immaculate reception you know 
it's kind of interesting how you know he's he's able to con- make that catch if he caught it. You know, and and do you realize, Ben? I don't know. I, when I was researching it for my book, because I, I talk about the play, mm-hmm. uh, do you realize that they never signaled touchdown? It's one of the. It's, isn't that one of the things that all the Raider people, uh, as part of what the immaculate deception, point to? Yeah, never, never, never actually touchdown. You yeah. never see it. <laughs> yeah, and Fred Swearinger, the the referee of the game, uh, he went in that he went into that dugout and never and was on the phone and nobody knows who he's on the phone with nobody's confirmed who he was talking to al davis felt it was talking to art mcnally who was also present for the tuck game how about that how about that one and art mcnally's now in the hall of fame as well sort of wild when you think about it like that but the fact that yeah franco harris 22 year old rookie when that play happened this week raiders will take on the steelers and you were part of the regular raider organization in the, the decade or so time you were there, you had, I think, four games against uh, Pittsburgh and, and the play in 72. It really did kickstart what a bitter rivalry it was, even between two teams on opposite coasts in, in that time, uh, Oakland and Pittsburgh. What do you remember just about the, those weeks of preparation leading up to a, a rarely seen Raiders-Steeler game that you had, what, four opportunities to play them over your nine or ten years? Well, you know, the thing is, is what people, I think, often mistake about this raider uh, Raider. Uh, Steeler rivalry is that Noel, Chuck Noel, the head coach of the Steelers, and Al Davis were assistant coaches on the San Diego Charger coaching staff. Al was up in the press box running the offense with Sid Gilman, and Chuck was running the defense, you know, with Jack Faulkner on the field. There were just four coaches at the time, and obviously Sid Gilman was the head coach. Joe Madro, former Raider assistant and scout, was the offensive line coach. So this relationship goes way back. I mean, they were they were on staffs together, and then obviously because of the dominance of the Steelers in the 70s, once Noel became their head coach and they started to turn it around with the Steel Curtain and what they did defensively, and then, of course, the Raiders' dominance. So this is two proud franchises that – ironically, haven't changed their uniforms. I mean, this game on Saturday night will be exactly the same way it was played Mm uniform-wise as it was 50 years ago, which to me is, I love. It's nostalgic. It's wonderful. You know, it's like the Yankees. You know, you see those uniforms. You know, now we're in an age where you have to change uniforms every two weeks. You know, sometimes I don't (laughs) even know what teams they are. I don't even know who they are. So, you know, it, it always had special meaning because what it meant was they were great and we were great. You know, and we went back there in, in 02 uh, on a Monday night game. You know, we opened up the season against Seattle, and then we went back there on a Monday night game and really threw the ball. Rich Gannon was unbelievable in that game, and they were good on defense at that time with Bill Cowers, the head coach. You know, they had some really good players, but these are two two teams that are just tradition has taken over because of the success mm-hmm. and all the Hall of Fame players they have. That was a 30-17 to 17 Raider win. Remember that Monday night in 2002? What do you remember about your first game, though, as, as part of that rivalry, which was, I believe, the last season Pittsburgh played at Three Rivers in the year uh, 2000, where it was, I think, the first Raider visit back to Pittsburgh in uh, two decades when you went back there the first time. Yeah, you know, it, it to me, going to Pittsburgh was always hard for me because, remember, I spent 10 years in Cleveland. So right. not only did I have a rivalry with them in Cleveland, I had a rivalry with them, you know, with the Raiders. So, you know, the thing that always, to me, that I marvel at Steeler fans and I have great, great respect for them is they, they have these jerseys that they keep. We'll see, you will see on Saturday night a lot of Franco jerseys out there. And they were going to retire his number, which is not common in the NFL. 
So they have such great fans, and they're able to – they wear these – you see Rocky Blyer jerseys. You see also – it's like Raider. When you go to Raider games, you'll see a Fred Bolitnikoff jersey. You'll see a Cliff Branch jersey. You'll see a Daryl LaMonica jersey. Like, the, these fans have great, great admiration for their history, which to me is one of the reasons why they're so successful. And when these two franchises are playing at their best and they're playing playoff football – you know, it makes the league better. Yeah, it is. Fun. You mentioned that. Uh, walk around, you know, any casino in Las Vegas the weekend of a Raider home game day, and you'll see. You count the number of Plunkett jerseys you see. It'll it'll kind of surprise you how how many you will. Uh, it's a great point to make, and uh, certainly sad news this morning with the passing of Franco Harris. As, yeah, as you mentioned, his number is set to be retired uh, this weekend. So the game itself, obviously, was already going to have a lot of emotion with a, a another revamped setting of the rivalry. Now you have the backdrop where Franco Harris will be remembered and honored uh, before the game and, and during the, really throughout the game as well. Basically an elimination game, though, when it comes to actually on the field with the betting market originally pushing the line towards Pittsburgh as high as three. Buyback comes overnight onto the Raiders side, now down to Steelers minus two and a half. Two six and eight teams, Michael, who's, who's going to be uh, going home for the holidays after this one? Well, we know Kenny Pickett's back. Uh, he's going to be the starter under center. I thought Mitchell Trubisky, the last two weeks, and I've not been a Mitchell Trubisky fan, I thought the last two weeks, if you took away those bad interceptions in the, in the red zone, Trubisky actually played his best football. He did really. He was really good against Carolina. Now, he had a lot of open receivers, and Carolina did not play their best game defensively, and they were able to run the football. So, And, and what Pittsburgh was dominant in that game, that 24-16 score was not really indicative of how mm-hmm. dominating Pittsburgh was. They stopped the run. A good Carolina team that could run the football. Now, look, this, is, this rivalry has kind of even more meaning because Josh McDaniels from New England, has gone against Mike Tomlin a lot of times, right? There's been a lot of Patriot uh, Steeler matchups, so they kind of know each other philosophically, defensively. Then you layer in Brian Flores, who was in Miami and knows Josh McDaniels really well and understands how he coaches and what he wants to do and how he sets up a game plan. So there's so much intrigue to this game. And, you know, it starts with the two quarterbacks, plus layer in the weather. Have you checked the weather for this weekend, Ben? I've heard it's going to be less than ideal in most I mean, it's not hearing. I mean, now, look, they got me messed up last week when they said it was going to be snow in Buffalo. But this weather weather front here, we got 60 miles, gust up to 32, 8 degrees, it's going to feel like minus 14. I mean, this is going to be a very, very challenging game. And, I I mean, we saw the score, and it's interesting. The line opened at 37.5, and and it shot up to 38. There's some 38s and a half. There's some 39s. I see some 39s uh, all over. So, you know, it'll be a hard game for the Raiders catching that cold ball, kicking that Mm -hmm. cold ball, especially in that stadium. Who can run the ball the best? Whose offensive line is the best? Be a fun game. I think these are two evenly matched teams. Both of them are, to me, not playoff teams, but they have a chance to, you know, kind of give their season – kind of a, a positive note as they go towards the end. At least to me, it completely comes down to the trust level and belief you would have in quarterback Kenny Pickett making his return out of concussion protocol for Pittsburgh. When you consider the Raiders have been a solid run defense team all year, they've rated in the top 10 across most metrics defending the run. It's just a beat up secondary that you can throw against. You watch the way they play coverage, Michael. I know you see it every single week on the film. There are a lot of spaces to throw the football, but when we show a graphic like we just did on the weather and the wind with a rookie coming off of his second concussion of the year in Kenny Pickett, it's just how much do you trust that? 
Uh, and it's why I'd, I'd imagine some betters, once we saw the market go to three, were saying, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab those points with the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. I mean, I think, but it's going to come down to what what quarterback you can throw the ball on Pittsburgh. I mean, Carolina didn't really throw it as well as they needed to throw it. The first drive of the game, they did. They made some plays, but you can attack this secondary. I think most people have. But Pittsburgh's going. It's going to be a rugged game, back and forth. You know, it will go through their schedule all year. Everything is everything is rugged. I mean, there's nothing that's going to come easy for Pittsburgh because they're not the most talented team. They've gotten better as the year has gone on, which is really a tribute to Tomlin. I mean, he has improved this team, even though they don't have, to me, they don't have the talent level. But for them to be 6-8 and eight as, and the Browns to be 6-8, and eight, I think that's kind of a tribute to Tomlin, how good they are. They play close games. Yep. I mean, they beat Atlanta by three. You know, they beat the Colts by a touchdown. You know, they lose to the bank. Now, that game was not really there. They dominated New Orleans at home. You know, they beat they lose to Baltimore and, and had no business. They turned the ball over three times. Now, that's the key, right? So since their bye week, since their bye week, they've played six games. And in six of those games, only one time did they turn it over. That was the Baltimore game. They turned it over mm-hmm. three times, Trubisky. All the other games, they haven't committed a turnover. And they're playing against a Raider team that has a propensity to turn this ball over. Hey, I loved Carolina last week, Michael, in the spot against Pittsburgh. The physicality, it, that was the thing that jumped out to me uh, paramount above everything else. I mean, on both lines of scrimmage, Pittsburgh absolutely dominated. A Carolina team that had been top five in overall defensive efficiency since Steve Wilkes took over as an interim. You yeah. have to think that in a, a rivalry setting like this with so much emotion and still a lot at stake, physicality, if you like Pittsburgh, that that is a big edge, I would think, on the Steelers' side. I, I, I mean, I'm surprised the line didn't tick closer to stay at three. I think that's, to me... You know, I, I kind of felt that way. I thought it was going to be more of a three-point game. There's some str- mm-hmm. there's some tricky, scary lines oh, out there, there are. this week. We have a lot to get to today because we'll discuss a bunch of situations up next involving backup quarterbacks, including in Philadelphia, set to be the Gardner Minshew Show. We'll get Michael's thoughts on that as we're just getting started here on the Lombardi Line. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. You must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Just getting started, it's a Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line. I'm Ben in for Patrick with Michael in New Jersey and a ton of backup quarterback situations, Michael, along with a ton of weather situations to monitor as we head into Week 16. Fresh article from you up right now at vsin.com talking all things Eagles with the Jalen Hurts strained shoulder. That news coming out on Monday and, and very drastically altering the betting line on Eagles and Cowboys. Yeah. As we look at the odds, an update, though, pretty fascinating to see the markets having some confidence in Philadelphia after the line got as high as Dallas minus six. When Mike Pritchard and I did the show yesterday, it was coming down to five and a half. Now we're split between four and a half or five. Uh, What do you make of uh, the matchup here and what we're seeing as it is apparently going to be Gardner Minshew there at quarterback? You know, I wrote about this for vsononline.com and... I wanted to talk about it in the sense that I think people are misjudging Philly's versatility organizationally and Philly's versatility offensively because I think Philly can transition back. Look, Hertz and Minshew are completely different players, right? They're completely different players. One's going to run the six-back offense. The other one's going to run more of a rhythm passing game, kind of where they started with Hertz originally. And when you watch the Cowboys try to defend and cover, you know, it, it's a challenge. They're going to have to modify their offense, and I think Philadelphia can do that. I don't think – I think Philly becomes more of a pass-first run then 
then they become we're going to run this ball at you and gain 300 yards like they did against the Packers. So, and the Eagles defensively have been really good. Their their ability to sack the quarterback and pressure the quarterback. Now they played against a really bad Bears team last week, but that was really impressive what they were able to do there. I mean, the Bears even though the game was closer than the score, the Bears really couldn't mount a comeback or throw the ball effectively on them. So, I think this kind of line ran its way when it got up to six. I thought that was ridiculous, mm-hmm. and I could see why the buyback occurred. No question. I wonder how much of that also could it be smoke screens we're seeing in the in the press conferences this week, where as soon as the report I, came I, out, no, I mean, I, I don't think so. I wrote it. I, I'm told reliably that he's not going to play this week. I'm told reliably that he may not play against the Saints. I think if they win one of these games. If they win this game, he's definitely not playing against the Saints. I think they they know that him healthy, they're going to have a month off, essentially. They're not going to play anybody against the Giants, right? So he's not playing against the Giants. So it's the debate whether he plays the Saint game or not. And I think they want to go into the into the, the their their playoff mode completely healthy and and his shoulder. Now he got up off the ground after that shoulder hit that frozen turf in Soldier Field and threw a hell of a ball to AJ Brown. So I I don't think it's really a bad injury. I, and as I wrote about in my column, this isn't going back to 17 when Carson Wentz got hurt and you knew it was bad. Like this is just they're going to manage this. They're going to err on the side of caution. The reason why we mentioned the the smoke screen potential and the market moving back to Philadelphia is this comment that Nick Sirianni made head coach at the press conference yesterday. Um, He's at a sprained shoulder, and I do not put it past Jalen Hurts. I don't put anything past Jalen Hurts um, as far as his mental and physical toughness. So there's a chance he could play this week. You know, it's funny he said that, Ben, you know, because I wrote – now, I didn't hear that press conference. I wrote my column Monday morning. And I think that press conference was Tuesday Yesterday, after. Yeah. I mean, I wrote it. I wrote it Tuesday morning. That's and I said the rhetoric will all come out that he's gonna that they're gonna pretend like mm-hmm. he's gonna play because that's what you have to do as a coach. You're gonna pretend. You know, I think Hertz wants to play. I do think Hertz wants to play. I think that the Eagles would be smart not to play him. They would be smart not to play him because why risk it? Why risk it? You know, they don't want to lose what they've built over somebody who's not 100%. If he's 80%, why risk it? Now, if he's 100%, go play. But I don't think he is 100%. I don't think he's 40%, but I don't think he's 100 Now enter Gardner Minshew, who notably was absent from practice yesterday since he was attending the service of Mike Leach, his former college head coach at Washington State, delivered a eulogy that was very touching and, uh, and heartfelt. So he was not with the team yesterday. Set to return, 41 touchdowns to 12 picks in his career with the versatility you described on Philadelphia from an organizational standpoint, how do you expect this to transition for Minshew's first start of the year? I mean, I, I'm a Minshew fan. I don't understand some of these teams with bad quarterbacks never traded for Minshew last year that the Eagles took them. I, I like Minshew. I mean, there's a lot of guys that I think that Minshew's better than in the league. You know, I, I don't understand it. But here's what's interesting about this season, Ben. When Minshew starts the game, That'll be the that'll be the fifty sixth new starting quarterback we've had this season. Okay, in games, fifty six games with a different quarter. So basically, every team's going through two quarterbacks, essentially, right? Almost, you know, yeah. sixty four, almost two quarterbacks, which tells you what's wrong with the league. We're we're struggling with we don't protect the quarterbacks enough. We're running them too much. You know, I mean, who's playing quarterback for Arizona? Colt, Mc, I mean, Colt McCoy can't stay healthy. You know, Trace McSorley, keep adding it up. You know, they signed Joshua Dobbs. 
you know, you know that that means that Willis is probably going to be the starter and Tannehill's not healthy. So to me, you know, this kid Minshew is a really good backup quarterback who can throw the football effectively and he can win games. I mean, I think it, the Eagles were smart to give up basically nothing for him with Urban Meyer and and they got themselves a really good young mm-hmm. player who can start for a lot of, you know, he's Minshew's better than Colt McCoy. Minshew's better than Ty- Taylor Heineke down in Washington. Yet he's been warming the bench all year <laughs> in Philly. The yeah, I mean, very it's just – Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Well, I, you know, people go back to their college scouting reel. Oh, I don't like Minshew. I didn't like him coming out. Well, watch yeah. him on pro tape. 41 touchdowns. He protects the ball. Now, can I think he could last 17, 16 games? No, I don't. Hey, there's another starting quarterback. We're up to 58. Before we came on for this segment, the Colts announced that Nick Foles will be their starting quarterback. Oh, that geez. not Ellinger, not Matt Ryan. That Jeff Saturday in the park is going to go with the, with, with Nick Foles. So keep the, we are yeah, we are definitely eventually on track to get to sixty four, I think, and get uh, two full starters a team. As we'll, we'll break down that uh, that news in a little bit I, on the Minshew front. Is as much as it was a limited sample size last year. From an EPA per play basis on on the drop back front, only Aaron Rodgers had better numbers than Minshew. And I know you can say okay, Minshew's a good player. Seventy snaps, but he was good last year. Yeah, he's a good player. Like I like look, I I think Hertz is a good player, but Hertz doesn't affect the number by five points. Okay, like there's just no way. I think people. What I tried to write about is this is they can go back to their other offense. Like they can revert back to their other offense and and give themselves a chance to they'll throw the ball more. Dallas Goddard, Goddard's going to be up. They can still run the ball just because you know they'll they'll he'll run a play. I mean, Minshew can run a play. Mm-hmm. Now he's not going to carry it eleven times for seventy seven yards like Hertz did last week against Chicago, but he can run the ball. The concerning part as well when you look at Dallas in the matchup against Philadelphia team that started the year with a very solid secondary ranked in the top 10 in most metrics defending the pass 27th now on an EPA per play allowed basis the last two weeks against Houston and Jacksonville what's happened to the Dallas secondary Michael well I think a lot of the, I think well look remember last year against the Raiders when they torched Anthony Brown now I know they've had a lot of injuries right but when you look at this secondary and you look at their defense, when they don't get pressure on the quarterback, when they don't get that ability to really generate it, and they don't confuse you with their scheme, you can throw the football on them. I mean, you know, I, I never felt like last week. I thought Dallas would win that game. I would have taken. I would have recommended Dallas. I love Dallas last week. Okay, <laughs> and and I think that was true. But what when I was watching the game, and then when I watched it on tape. Jacksonville was never – Dallas was never in control of that game. They were never in control. They might have been up 24-7, to but Jacksonville knew they could throw the football on them, and Jacksonville knew they could move – they gave up 500 yards of offense, Ben. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave up 500 yards of offense. I mean, you know, and everybody – their defense to me, as I said on GM Shuffle, I think their defense is fraudulent. I don't think it's as good as we make it out to be. It's not dominating at all. You know, I mean, you you're you can't be a dominating defense when you're 22nd in the league in yards per attempt against you. You can't be a dominating defense when you're 24th in rushing yards allowed against you. Here's why. Because the Cowboys can score, so they play in front. So most times people don't try to run the ball against you because they're behind in the game. That's not the case here. People run the ball on Dallas. Now what's happened, what Dallas does is, they turn the ball over. They're the best turnover team in football in terms of their defense. And so that's where they gain the event. That's the illusion of it. 
You know, there's sometimes there's teams that have bad illusions. Minnesota. Minnesota never looks good when we watch them play. Dallas, we think, looks good because they create a turnover. But was that a turnover created by Jacksonville when, when ATN fumbled it himself? Or was that Dallas just being mm-hmm. a great defense? I think it was ATN fumbled himself. Until Dallas took the foot off the gas offensively. From from the thought you had and from watching it in real time, you kind of felt like, okay, Dallas, you got to keep the foot on the gas offensively. I don't think they took the foot the off the gas. I mean, they ran that ridiculous third and third and ten pass to Noah Brown, which right. which that, that was ridiculous. Did not help things whatsoever. My point was watching the game. I'm saying, all right, Dallas, you got to keep scoring because your defense is not going to hold up for 60 minutes. You got to say to yourself up, when you're uh, yeah. watching a game, Ben. If you watch a game with me, I always will tell you how many points you're going to need to win the game yeah. at any point in the game. And Dallas needed uh, 35 in regulation. Were they to win? Uh, We'll we'll mention that big Colts news on the new starting quarterback when we come back. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. College bowl season is here, and VEASAN has you covered. We have picks, spreads, and totals for every single bowl game. Head to VEASAN.com and check out all of our bowl betting coverage. While you're there, now is a great time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber for only $79. You get access to everything we do from now through the big dance. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It is Western Kentucky, South Alabama tonight in the New Orleans Bowl. South Alabama laying three and a half uh, in that one. I don't think neither Michael nor I have a uh, heavy play on that. But hey, throughout the rest of our network, I know we do. We're focused on the NFL. Yeah, of course Michael, we do. And, uh... You got you got to get on that. You got to use that betting guy because oh, yeah? I mean it's so important. You know, it's so important to know who's in, who's out, who's not playing, who is playing, all Huge, that. Yeah. I think it's and, really uh, important. No, no question. And we've saw, seen a big move to the total as well. That uh, total has dropped four points down to fifty-seven and a half there in the New Orleans Bowl tonight. Uh, more changes as well going on in the NFL. This just happened, uh, Michael. You mentioned it last segment while we were uh, while we were just coming back from break. Nick Foles now new starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. That just announced at the Jeff Saturday press conference as he plays out the string, the interim there for the Colts' final few games. Market continues to move against the Colts. This is Monday night, so there's some more time for the number to take shape. But market wide, Michael, up to Chargers minus four and a half now on the road against the Colts and. Have to think uh, it, I don't, it's, it, it's well too bad, at least for Matt Ryan, that his likely final start as an NFL professional will come in the greatest collapse ever uh, by, by the numbers in NFL history. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I'm not sure it was all his fault, but I mean, look, he can't really. I mean, he had some really dumb. Pl- I mean, that pl- that that fumble that he had, I don't know if it was in overtime. I think it was at the end of the game. Maybe it was in the overtime. I don't know where he tried to push the ball out like he was throwing it was clearly a fumble and and fortunately the the Colts got on. I mean, you can't be a 10-year, 16-year player in the league and do something that bad, that dumb. But this is an interesting game. Like I don't know why uh, the the Chargers are getting all this love even against the bad Colt team. So let's break it down, right? The Colts beat Kansas City at home, right? They they've had some good moments where they've played well. They played Dallas for 3 quarters until they turned it over, right? You know, they beat mm-hmm. the Raiders out there. They they can run the ball. What can't the Chargers do? Defend the run, right? What can't the Chargers do if – and they're on the road at home? I mean, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, this matchup really favors the Colts in the sense that the Colts can run the ball on the Chargers. They can pressure Herbert. They play zone, right? They, they'll play zone and rush four. They take away Mike Williams – like, I, I don't understand it. You know, I know it was a big win last week. against. They scored 17 points against Tennessee last week at home. It took a 35-yard thro- amazing throw to Mike Williams mm-hmm. to get in a field goal range. But for me, 
Like, that game shouldn't have been as close. Everybody had thrown the ball on Tennessee going into that game. They couldn't block Tennessee up front. I mean, Herbert was running for his life. I think he'll struggle to block Indianapolis this week. I, I don't get that pick. I, I really don't. To, to me, the market more moving on the news that running back Jonathan Taylor out for the year now, and there's that general perception, right, that since he is the lead back, that would have been where the success ought to have come from, from, Indi- from Indianapolis. But you're right on the lack of trust and from a betting perspective to trust L.A. laying over a field goal against anybody. That's why I liked Tennessee last week, a team I felt like was in a desperate spot who could run the ball all over the yeah. L.A. Chargers. I think that's and, the right, and that's, that was the right play. That Tennessee was the right play. And if you had the hook, it was even the better play, right? But that hook wasn't there very long. No, it was not. That was the old push for me uh, on the plus three last week. But even with a one-legged Ryan Tannehill and a few series of Malik Willis, a rookie quarterback, Tennessee was still able to grind out over 100 yards with Derrick Henry on the ground, and you would think that's clearly the game plan. It's just people are going to look at what they saw last, as usually happens in in NFL betting from week to week, and they're going to see the Indianapolis Colts just blew a 33-0 lead against Minnesota. So you say, how can you possibly trust that? Whereas I think we're both making the point Charger team that is right now in pole position to get into the playoffs, one of the two eight and six teams now at the sixth seed in the AFC. They haven't shown much consistency most of the year from a week to week basis on that defensive end. So as ugly as the Colts situation looks like, there's a lot of warts that prevent me from wanting to lay lay, lay a big number like that with the Chargers as it continues to climb. I, I don't. I, I'm with you. Like I, I don't see it. I, I think to me, with when you break the game down, it's it's a good. Anytime the Chargers have to go on the road and play against a team that can actually run the ball, you know, I think it's going to be a problem. The Chargers don't want to run the ball; they want to throw it, you know. And so this Colt team can play some pass defense at times. You know, they're a zone team. They can they can rush the passer and take advantage of a of a Charger line that isn't great. I, I, I just think, to me, this should be closer to a three-point line. It shouldn't be the home team getting four and a half with a lot of anger and a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, you don't think those players have heard about all how the blown lead is? You don't think it just racks their brain? You know, it just drives them crazy? So, now, look, I, I'm not in love with Nick Foles, but at least he can throw the ball, and you now have to defend the entire field. With Matt Ryan, were you worried about him throwing anything down the field on you? Of course you weren't. You were not. I mean, no. he can't get out of his own way. You know, he was struggling. And, look, this Charger team, do they get Bosa back? I don't think so. Are they going to be able to rush the passer? I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I just think, to me, it's a good matchup for the Colts. I'm not saying the Colts are going to win, but if you're, if you're a Colt coach, this is a good matchup for you. And right now, market still sitting pretty firmly. Couple of fours out there at the moment, but mostly have gone up to four and a half with the LA Chargers laying it. Nick Foles, that's the news of the day just coming out while we're on the air. Nick Foles to be the starting quarterback there for Indianapolis. One of a number of backup situations. The team the Chargers just faced, Tennessee, who pushes on that plus three number pretty much market wide last week in a 17 14 loss. Tennessee just signs Josh Dobbs this morning, likely. To go with Malik Willis as a starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, the report came out yesterday, facing an uphill battle towards being ready with the ankle injury suffered last week in L.A. Market as high as eight, Michael, down cut in half pretty much to four. As much as you could say, well, it's a dead Houston team, they're 1-12-1, Malik Willis has not shown any ability to be ready as a rookie quarterback. And the fact that Tennessee, I thought was pretty telling, Michael, that they put out Ryan Tannehill basically on one leg for two and a half quarters instead of riding with their rookie in Malik uh, Willis last week. I mean, Malik Willis, I mean, look, they, they had him in the last time they played him. He threw for 40 yards. 
They played Houston. He throws for 40 yards. They ran for 314. And they turned the ball over twice in the game. They turned the ball over twice in the game, but they held Houston to 161 yards total, 43 on the ground. I don't know if Damian Pierce is going to play. But this Tennessee team, when they can rush four and they can play zone and keep you keep the ball in front of them, they're pretty good. You can't run the ball in Tennessee. I mean, so that takes away half of the Houston offense, and the Houston's passing game is atrocious. I mean, last week Houston won a game. Did you watch it? I mean, they were, I don't even know how they were in the game. I mean, the, the Chiefs were moving the ball up and down the field. They fumbled. That's how they were in the game. You know, but to me, the home team now is getting is, is only having to give four to a team that, yeah, I know it's Malik Willis, but it's really Derrick Henry. They couldn't stop him yeah. in the first game. It was 17 to 10 in the first game. He ran for 314 in that game. That was the most uncompetitive seven point game I think I've ever watched in the NFL. Texans got the garbage time touchdown in the late to go from down 17 3 to 17 10, but we're never even close to being in the game. A line now, yeah, what was down that? Four. What was that line? Hold on, that I'm was, gonna tell you right now what that. I line. believe that was a uh, a seven seven and a half type. Uh, I believe Houston covered, uh, if if memory serves me correctly. That was no no no. Tennessee because Willis was playing. I thought this. Tennessee was only a two and a half point favorite. It closed at two and a half. Wow. See, because all week we knew Tannehill well, that was wasn't playing. Eight, right. That's why that line went down. And that was in, yes, that was in Houston. Yeah, I was totally wrong. That was a two-point uh, two line. Tennessee won the game by seven. I was thinking, I knew something got in the back door. It was a teaser leg for people who teased Houston plus the two to eight against the, yeah, I remember that now, for, against the quarterback Malik Willis. Got in the back door on the teaser legs only because of the last second touchdown to lose by seven. I mean, seven, Malik Willis cover. in that game, I mean, he was so bad in that game. I mean, he had like... I mean, it was horrible. I mean, he couldn't really, you know, I mean, he came in off the bat. Well, Tannehill started the game, right? So Tannehill did mm-hmm. start that game, and he was 13 for 20 in that game. And I, I'm thinking about that game now. I'm just thinking how. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I have the wrong game. I have the, I'm looking at the Indianapolis game. Let me go back right, it, here. Yeah, Let no, me, it, was, the, it, was a, it was a Willis uh, start, and, and thinking about just how dominant Tennessee was on the line of scrimmage. And you factor into the weather this week. After playing in Houston in week eight, the first meeting, it's supposed to be bitterly cold, about 20 or so degrees in Nashville Saturday, winds in the, in the mid-teens, yeah. another one of the weather games. Just went a little bit more under the radar, but you'd think that combination with a Houston rush defense that's been bottom five across all numbers defending the run this year, this should, even with Malik Willis, a rookie who can't throw the football at quarterback, this should line up for Tennessee to have their way with Houston. You would think so. I mean, they, the line was three and a half in the last game. All right, I was wrong on that. But but Willis only attempted 10 passes in that game. Now, what they did a great job of, they, they made Damon Pierce, he had nothing going for him. I mean, mm-hmm. he had 35 yards in the game. They couldn't run the ball, right? And, and Davis Mills was horrible, got sacked three times. So, you know, to me, I don't see how that Tennessee's – I mean, excuse me, I don't see how Tennessee moves the ball other than Henry, who had 32 carries for 219 yards. I mean, Hilliard had eight carries for 83 yards in the last time they played him, Ben. Yep. And remember, the very smart betters, they were all over Tennessee in the first meeting because in the contest formats, it was Tennessee minus two, got bet, as you as you said, all the way up above the field goal, especially in a division game for a team on the road with a rookie quarterback. It was pretty telling then. It's interesting now, though, to see this number come all the way down from eight in some spots at open, a lot of sevens at open, down to four in favor of Tennessee. We are still going. We've got a lot of injury situations, a lot of weather situations, but up next, we'll take a short break. Ben Brown, data analyst, joins the show next.
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Make some midweek magic with Light the Lamp Wednesdays at BetMGM, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Place a $25 wager on any NHL player to score a goal on any Wednesday, and you'll automatically receive $2 in free bets for every goal scored in the game, up to 16 bucks. Just log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to get started. Then opt into the Light the Lamp Wednesdays promotion to receive a $2 free bet for every goal scored in the game, regardless of your prompt bet's outcome. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. 
Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Back in for Patrick Maher. I'm Ben Wilson on a Wednesday. Michael Lombardi with us from New Jersey. Still so much for us to discuss. Michael, we'll do a little weather segment in uh, in our next hour. Still have to get your Monday night reaction from uh, Packers and Rams on uh, Monday nights. A lot of excitement there up in the in the Cheesehead State, uh, my my home state. Uh, and speaking of people from the Midwest, Ben Brown, friendly Midwesterner, just like myself. He's he's in uh, Minneapolis, though. Unlike my, unlike me being from uh, Milwaukee. Ben joins us right now. Ben, lot to dive into for the Week 16 slate. We'll start Thursday night football. Jaguars and Jets, another weather game with a total crashing down now to about 36 market-wide. What sort of angle are you identifying as having some value on the player prop front? Yeah, definitely. This is, you know, obviously going to be interesting. I do think, you know, it might take a, you know, extraordinary performance from Trevor Lawrence in order for the Jaguars to emerge victorious in this particular matchup. I do think the, you know, the the loss of Cam Robinson to this offensive line could be pretty detrimental against the Jets defense that we have ranked as like the fourth best from a pressure perspective so far. So if the Jets are kind of successful, you know, I would say defensively, uh, the, the the total coming crashing down, kind of like you said, makes a lot of sense. But I expect Lawrence, even if he is dealing with, you know, a number of pressure situations to at least be sound with the football, probably try and scramble in more situations than force things downfield uh, into a really difficult Jets secondary. So I like Trevor Lawrence under 0.5, uh, uh, under 0.5 interceptions, basically. I do think he has a relatively clean game. Um, and, and I also think, you know, given the coverage considerations with Sauce Gardner being PFF's top-graded coverage cornerback this season, I think he has quite a bit of success, specifically with Zay Jones, who does move all over the formation. Uh, and, and I don't think Sauce Gardner probably tracks him, but I think they see enough snaps, you know, against each other to probably go under on Zay Jones's uh, receiving yardage number as well. I think it's kind of between like 45 and a half up to 52 and a half mm. in some spots. So line shop on that. But I think Zay Jones has a relatively quiet performance here on Thursday night. And what's your thought on the game, Ben? I mean, where do you see this game going as it relates to the line and in and, and terms of picking the winner? Yeah, I, I mean, it, I think it's really tough for me to, you know, want to back Zach Wilson in this particular spot. But I think, you know, outside of the quarterback position, I, I do think that the balance is heavily tilted in the New York Jets direction, especially if, you know, Quinn and Williams is kind of back in the fold. But if, if Quinn and Williams is out, I expect, you know, a, a heavy dose of Travis Etienne. And I do think that's going to be probably the angle in which uh, the Jaguars can be successful offensively. So uh, I'm kind of waiting and pending on that injury news. But uh, I think the Jaguars are probably the only real side I feel comfortable with kind of heading into this matchup on Thursday. It's night. at least yeah, so, yeah, you know, somewhat It's funny, though. You, like you know, I mean, one, one thing when you talk about the Jags, at least when I talk about the Jags, they don't even try – they don't run the ball to me to the level that I think think that they should you know they're 25th in the league in rushing attempts uh, you know even though they have a pretty good runner in ATN I agree but th- they love throwing this football and you know I agree I think with with the injury to the left tackle Robinson I think that's going to be problematic especially last week I mean Jared Goff was not under pressure now I know Quentin Williams wasn't playing but he's still limited with a cap I can't imagine if you can't play on Sunday you can play on Thursday Right. And that's the and that's going to be the key is 50 50 going into the week. But that's kind of the injury situation, you know, I'm monitoring. But I agree with you, like especially going up against the Jets, Jets secondary, which we very much have as, you know, the, the best coverage unit in football. Like if 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 there's any time for the Jaguars to kind of focus on the run, uh, this game definitely has to be it without that Quinn and Williams injury. So hoping I, to see I, that. I don't think 
I don't think you're going to see. I think I think uh, I think my man Doug Peterson's going to. He throws it against everybody. I mean, he loves to he loves to throw it. And, and you know, I think look, you he saw. I mean, he saw Detroit. I mean, you could talk about their secondary being the best in football. I mean, Detroit they threw it. I mean, Detroit kind of you kind of felt like Detroit was throwing the football in that game. I know they got the one the big play at the end, but they threw for two fifty two against them, which has been the best any team has thrown for them going back to you know going back to Cincinnati. Cincinnati in week three. Yeah, Williams uh, limited technically. That was Ben. That's the at least the injury designation so far. Hard to know. Very vague. With it being a short week, weather issues at play. Uh, Quinnian Williams for the Jets. Will he suit up or not? At least the positive news: Corey Davis, full participant, uh, out of concussion protocol, coming they back. They need so, him. That, yeah, that's a big that's one. A, that them. is a big addition. It's it's a big reason why at least those positive trending directions on the injured players for the Jets. Why you're seeing the market in some spots now go up to Jets minus one. Still a pick him in a lot of shops, but looking at Zay Jones under 52 and a half receiving yards there, Ben, and the under a half pick thrown by Trevor Lawrence. Those are the, those are the player props. As the Lions continue to take shape, though, on a Wednesday, Ben, Cincinnati, New England, wild to see money come to the Patriots. It's pretty much Bengals three now market wide juice to the favorite side. Situationally, you would think a great spot to keep riding those red hot Cincinnati Bengals. What do you make, though, of how the market's uh, at least activating uh, towards the Patriots here this week? Yeah, it is really, I would say, perplexing. The Bengals, obviously, a team you know, you know that I've been high on throughout the whole season, and they they've kind of rewarded betters, right? Eleven and three against the spread. So, in some ways, it seems like the market probably hasn't caught up to just how good this football team has been, especially moving the football. Maybe some of that is you know the injury considerations that they've continued to deal with at the wide receiver position. But I think Joe Burrow is kind of playing like an MVP candidate. I, you know, Mac Jones, I would say, has had pretty significant regression or taken a step back in his second season as well so very much you know if you can get this number at minus three for the Bengals uh, I, I, I think that would probably be one of if not my favorite plays again here in week 16 I'm willing to ride the hot hand you know maybe the maybe the slip up for the Bengals is coming at some point but uh, against a Patriots team that I think is still maybe a little bit overvalued from a betting perspective uh, I think it's probably Cincinnati or bust for me given this current spread number yeah, I was surprised by this line. I mean, I had it as a four and a half point line when I did my power rankings, and you know, and especially considering how good Cincinnati is coached in the secondary, how they adjust at halftime, and how they kind of get better as the game goes on defensively. You know, and and New England last week was able to control the game against the Raiders in the second half, only to lose it with the with the horrible play. So I'm with you. I think when you're seeing a team that's playing well, you know. And they have a hot hand. And you know New England struggles on third down. They're 24th in the league and stopping teams on third down. And Burrow is very good at third down. I, I think you got to take a hard look at the Bengals. And as we sit now, total as well, moving in addition to that, to just my updated uh, number here, 41 in a couple of shops as well, down from the 42 opener, mostly still 41 and a halves out there. Uh, that is another uh, weather game that uh, will we'll have cold temperatures, likely high, pretty high winds uh, in Foxborough. Uh, on Saturday, uh, Ben, another game that this has big playoff implications where the Panthers, as every team in the NFC South is, still alive and kicking. Very disappointing output last week. Stay at home, though. Panthers now catching points this time from the Detroit Lions. Uh, Lions, as I update the screen, uh, we're, we're touching three in a couple places. Those numbers were juiced to Carolina, but a lot of two and a halves juiced to the Detroit side. Fascinating handicap here. What are you seeing? 
Yeah, I think at minus two and a half, you know, once again, kind of riding the hot hand a little bit, but I still think Jared Goff and and this passion offense and kind of what we talked about, you know, with them having some success against the New York Jets, you know, secondary that I still think is very much the best unit in football, like getting that at minus two and a half uh, in a kind of a must win spot for both teams, I think is very much a spot where I can get on board with the Detroit Lions. I I know Carolina's kind of had a little bit of resurgence resurgence with Steve Wilkes kind of taking over as the interim head coach. But after last week's game, uh, I don't think their defensive unit is as good as people think. Mitchell Trubisky kind of able to move the football. I think it was like a 94, 95 yard, you know, touchdown drive to close it out when the Panthers absolutely needed a spot, uh, needed a stop and, and would have probably, you know, greatly increased their chances of winning this NFC South. So I think, you know, it's all but said and done for the Carolina Panthers. So I do think that, you know, the Detroit Lions, the, the roar being restored continues on here for another week. And I think anything under three, uh, I think is a smash spot for the Detroit Lions side. Yeah, I mean, look, the, you know, Carolina, when you break them down in the areas that I think are valuable towards winning, red zone defense, they're 24th in the league. Sacks per play, they're 28th in the league. Second half defense, they're 29th in the league. Thir- you know, third down, they're not very good. You know, so I, I just think to me that the, the, the Lions should be able to throw the football and, you know, they can block. The one thing we saw last week with the Lions against the Jets, that Lion offensive line controlled the game. They ran the ball on the Jets and they were able to pass protect well enough to where Goff was able to make plays. So I think it's a hard game. And, and, and the Jets couldn't run the ball in Detroit. And I don't know if Carolina, if Carolina can't run the ball, that puts the ball in Darnold's hand, which I think is prone to turnovers. And Detroit, yeah, he's now. been out. Yeah, he's been a little better than expected, but like you said, like the, the Lions run defense has shown out the past couple of weeks. I think a lot of that is Dan Campbell, you know, kind of having his way with that, uh, you know, defensive line. But I think that continues once again. So I definitely like the Lions here. Lions down to plus 125 to make the playoffs. Continue to rise in, in betting markets. Seahawks plus 175 right now. Ben Brown, you can give a follow to at PFF underscore Ben Brown, data analyst uh, and all things betting for PFF. Ben, appreciate the time Thanks, and uh, best ben, of luck appreciate with the picks. You. Thanks, guys. Have a great holiday season. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for that. Uh, Hour number two of the Lombardi line starts next. We'll get Michael's thoughts on the Green Bay Packers. Could there be a late season surge for the Cheeseheads? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.